0: Ghosts are horny. (laughs) Oogie. Revisiting female violence. That could be any of these episodes.
1: I I hate to bring up bugs. (laughs) Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon.
0: Liberal propaganda, damn cucks.
1: This is a John Winchester hate zone.
0: Could have had like Killer him. Optimus Prime, and he had to be racist. Had to be fucking racist.
1: Persuiter. Hi, and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon.
0: I'm Jordan Grimm.
1: And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. This episode, much like the other trickster episode, centers around the idea of just desserts. So (laughs) what I want to know is when the trickster comes to kill you, Mm. how does he do it such that you get your just desserts?
0: Ooh, mine would be, even though laziness as a concept is kind of dumb and revolves around uh, capitalism, I can definitely be a little bit lazy. And I just, like, don't like doing anything. And I'm a hard person to convince to do stuff. I like to sit on my ass. I like my alone time. I think I would probably just, like, get overindulged in all of the things that I love until it, like, kills me. I, I would probably, like, put in front of a TV show that I really love that so- has such good cliffhangers that I just watch it until my natural, like, ignore my body functions so much that I die. She's a little dark,
1: but I'll take it.
0: (laughs) What about you, Allie?
1: So I have to go to a famous sister's quote um, from my sisters. They said that I would, um, (laughs) my gravestone will say, Allie died doing what she loved, being Right. Because once we were driving and my sister was like, oh, the doors are open and gestured towards the middle of the car. And I thought she meant her door thing was going off. So like on the highway, I opened the door and closed it. No, she just meant for the concert we were going to. So I feel like mine would very much be like, I think I'm doing (laughs) I I think I'm right about something and I'm just utterly wrong and get completely decimated by it.
0: No, I can see that for you
1: mm-hmm yeah that seems correct <laughs> <laughs> i think i would just not be able to fall asleep oh i think i would just stay awake i would be cursed to stay awake until my whole body shut down that's genuine. because i'm always trying to stay up later and later to read
0: oh that makes sense yeah yeah i could see that <laughs>
1: I love that we all thought of these, like, really fast, by the way. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we know. We know our weekend. We were like, mm, well.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is season three, episode 11, Mystery Spot. The one where the trickster gets pegged, part two. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was written by Jeremy Carver and Emily McLaughlin, directed by Kim Manners, and originally aired on February 14th, 2008. Well, Valentine's Day episode.
0: Oh, yeah. This one actually matches up pretty perfectly.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, true.
0: I'm super excited that we got a staple Groundhog Day episode. Yes.
1: I just love it because like this is the stuff of fanfic. And yet
0: (laughs) here we are.
1: Here we are. It's funny because I genuinely hate the premise of this. I cannot stand being trapped in a time loop episodes but I love this episode
0: interesting I'm curious Allie, as to why
1: Allie I literally thought you were just going to be like I can't stand being trapped in a time loop and I was like <laughs> <laughs> bad personal experience with time loops my friend <laughs> apparently Jordan, what did you think at the start of this? Because you don't know. Like Jasper and I, this is so iconic that immediately we both know.
0: Honestly, okay. So this episode, I immediately, immediately knew because I recently rewatched all of Xena Warrior Princess like last year. And (laughs) they parallel and make a lot of Easter eggs to that episode. Um, I think the episode is called Been There, Done That. And of course, like every show has an episode like this. Not every show, but a lot. So it's hard to say like one specifically like inspired the other. But mm-hmm. the Xena episode always starts with the same song. And so when oh. we were starting with a song and Sam had a very strong opinion of that song, I'm like, OK, we're doing Groundhog Day is very here for it. I'm
1: impressed. I did not think you'd know immediately.
0: Oh, yeah. I watch too much television. It's <laughs> sad. <laughs>
1: that's the real story behind your profit powers yeah <laughs> true i love how much time they spend with like the obnoxious sibling stuff in the start of it oh like, yeah we all know like even how they a sibling brushes their teeth is so fucking annoying right yeah well and i think it's so important for the long-term um, narrative because of the way like they emphasize sam by himself you know, mm. none of these details really matter that much until the last act of yeah. the of the episode, which well, I think is
0: very cool. Yeah, that's another sign of a Groundhog Day episode as they really got to put strong attention to small details. So you got to mm-hmm. make small things seem really big even before you realize they're big.
1: Right, exactly. they
0: did a great job of.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Both between like the camera work and just having like you know, costumes and people who looked interesting and eye-catching. Yes. Not to like immediately get on the Dean you're being loud train here, but I need to point out before we move on to the diner stuff while they're still in the motel. And this bit only happens once. I noticed there's a thing with the bra that he pulls out of his duffel and he's like teasing Sam with like the, this yours thing. And obviously it isn't. I have things to say about that. So women might let people keep their underwear after hooking up, but a bra? No, (laughs) never. Finding a bra that fits? Yes. First off, yeah, they're expensive. But finding one that fits and looks nice is rare. Like, that's not really my style. And I admit, I haven't worn a bra in several years, except on like a couple of occasions. But... Mm -hmm. Like, that was pretty nice looking for at least that year. So, like, I have a hard time believing that someone gave that to him. So, conclusion, it's Dean's.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dean does drag.
1: Extrapolation, transnatural. That's the end of my, that's the end of that. And we'll just leave that there. And we can revisit this on season five, episode four. (laughs) Moving along. That's so so funny because my mind meant to, like, this is a motel. They don't clean it that well. Like, some girl is really missing that bra. But it was in his bag. Oh, fair. I thought he had, like, picked it up from beside it. No, he was digging around in his bag. (laughs) (laughs) Dean! (laughs) Dean! I really like the small things in this. Yeah. Like Jordan was saying, especially when they get to the diner, like just seeing the different people there. Plus, besides, like diners are the best places to people watch. Oh, yeah. And then when it's the pig in the poke, which do we find out what a pig in a poke is? Yeah, it's um, it's just pig in a blanket. They kind of show it briefly in like the middle of the oh, episode. I was so confused. Yeah, yeah, they show it to us when Dean orders the sausage. It's the only time we see him actually eat breakfast. <laughs> Fair, yeah. I love how they set up that, and then the waitress, of course, dropping the hot sauce. Mm-hmm. I just like how it has so many character moments, and that it sets it up so that each are so easily rememberable, mm-hmm. memorable.
0: Yeah, especially because at its core, it's not only a Groundhog Day episode, like a time loop. It's also a mystery. Mm-hmm. So we really do have to, and of course, the importance of mysteries are characterizations because we need to be able to piece what's mm-hmm. happening together. Mm-hmm.
1: Do we want to talk about the mystery spot? Oh my God, yeah. I am obsessed with the actual physical mystery spot because it clearly was not a mystery spot before this. It was clearly some sort of nautical themed tourist trap shop with like Florida slash ocean slash beach stuff in it. Like you can see like there's a pirate lady and a giant seahorse and there's the big shark head on the mantle. And I'm just like, this place is so weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really fun, too, because of the thing of this like immense supernatural like phenomenon happening here and like what's kind of the least expected place, which it would be like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, is kind mm-hmm. of fun. And I really like the acting from the guy who owns the mystery spot.
1: Yeah, Mr. Karpiak. He yeah. actually had some of the best costuming, too, I thought. I didn't make yeah. any fashion notes, really, this episode, mm-hmm. but I loved that he was wearing a shirt that looks exactly like that horrible red shirt of Sam's that I hate, but in like a dark tan. And I love his like thin tan um leather blazer that he's wearing over it. It just makes him look so skeezy and yeah. we like immediately don't trust him. Great job costume people. I also love how Dean dies so quickly. I feel like supernatural tends sometimes um to take forever to get to the actual like storyline. This one went by really quickly. I agree. I actually forgot how much I like this episode. Um, And I think, you know, getting to the point and and it was a a longer cold open than normal, Mm -hmm. but getting to the point so that we can get to the meat of what the story is actually about, which is not these individual deaths of Dean Dean's, but his future long term death is is important. So like the editing, I just am like, well, good job. Thank Mm -hmm. you for not lingering.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's where a lot of these style episodes or movies go wrong, is they take so long in each one. Totally, totally,
0: totally. Dean being shot, though, is such a visceral scene. Even though, like, we kind of know that. Well, I guess we don't necessarily know. I feel like I kind of knew that the stakes were pretty low here. They still did a good job of making you feel something.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think the same can be said of when he gets hit by the car, like yeah. that was very intense. Um, and the first time that it really isn't is when they he gets the desk dropped on his head. And it's like, completely opposite tone, like extremely Looney Tunes, like with his boots sticking out from under it and everything.
0: Yeah. Very much like the house in a uh, Wizard of Oz.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Instead of lore for this one, I just wanted to talk about some of the times I've seen this trope go well in media. Yeah. Of course, Groundhog Day is like the original. Like, it's a classic. You just have to respect it as that. And then the older one, I love the Stargate one. If y'all remember the Stargate episode with this? Oh, man. Um, no, I don't really remember it. I remember that they had one, but I don't remember mm. it. I think it's similar. It's like O'Neill gets to live out how he would like to live his life. Right. Which is what resonated with me. And there are a few new movies, like About Time is a Romance, that's somewhat in that trope. Uh huh. But Happy Death Day and Palm Springs are both amazing. I love them both.
0: Oh, Happy Death Day is really fun. I haven't seen Palm Springs.
1: Palm Springs is, oh my gosh, the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine, Andy Sandberg. And it's a new one. I highly recommend it. Even if you don't like this trope, it's really good. And that one and Happy Death Day both do really cool things with the deaths and like how the deaths would affect you. Just if you're interested, I thought those are ones that actually hold up. Sick. I know we don't always talk about Jared's acting. We tend to focus more on Jensen's because he tends to get these more quiet or explosive emotional scenes. But he is really good in this episode. And I know a lot of it is really campy and goofy. And it's supposed to be like that. Even in that last act during the six months later bit. You know, it's it's really over the top on purpose, I think. But I think, um, like, something about the silliness of the writing really emphasizes the seriousness and, like, the sincerity of a lot of his expressions. Yeah. And I just, I find it very, I don't know, like, like I'm so charmed by it. I really feel much more in tune with his emotions than I normally would. And I think, you know, part of that is probably because this is one of the only episodes we've had at all where we aren't in Dean's head, at least a little bit. We're n- we're never in his head in this episode.
0: I agree. I think when people talk about like camp, at Camp's core, it has to be earnest. And I think Sam's character is really what kept this really goofy episode grounded and like a true, like moving story and a very enjoyable moving story. And like this episode is fun, but it, it's also very serious and it's a little bit devastating too. And I think Jared's acting is really what roots that yeah. kind of makes it all mixed together so well.
1: I totally agree. And I think there's just something about like his ability to do comedy. That's just he's he's just good at it. Like he's just really strong comedy actor. And I think the writing set him up for success in this episode in a way it hasn't. So many times in this style of media or like this trope, we only get the perspective of the person who's dying each time. Right. So I think it's really cool and add stakes to be like, how do you control when you're not even the one dying? Right. Yeah.
0: I will say, I'll just bring it up now. I do have a little bit of complaints about the writing of Sam in this episode. Yeah. I do think that him being serious was really important to this narrative because like I said, it's what kept it like honestly good. But in such a goofy episode, we didn't get much fun from Sam. An example of this is later, like before the final act, when he has like mastered living in this Tuesday, there's never any fun or enjoyment. He doesn't make any jokes about doing the same thing over and over again. He's pissed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do kind of wish the writing would have let us kind of also enjoy Sam a little bit instead of just like being like, oh, poor Sam, this really sucks. Still, kudos to Jared. I I do overall like how Sam was written in this episode. It's just a minor gripe that I have.
1: Yeah. Well, I do think that it emphasizes the differences between him and his brother very nicely, though. Because I, yeah. I think were the situations reversed, sure, Dean would be irritated, but he would also fuck around a lot in a way that mm-hmm. I don't think Sam is inclined to. Like, I think he's just a more serious character and takes things a little more (laughs) seriously sorry to say serious so many times in one sentence but it's the truth i I do agree that i wish at least once he had done something on purpose to fuck with somebody yeah i have to know what y'all's favorite gag was in this episode since it's just like a string of gags
0: a taco
1: the taco (laughs) when he gets hit by a car Oh, wow. Okay. So we're talking about a favorite death. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I wasn't thinking favorite death, but my favorite death, gosh, uh, probably when he slips and falls on the shower. (laughs) I don't know why that's (laughs) so funny to me. Maybe it's just because of the editing. Like we don't even see it. We just hear it. Oh yeah. 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 But I mean, like, like thing going on in the town, not specifically like Dean. Like, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the fucking hot sauce. I think it's so f- fucking funny. <laughs>
0: hmm, favorite gag in the town.
1: I think mine would be hot sauce, too. Just because of her face, like, when he's able to catch it. Well, and, and he's different every single time mm-hmm. in that scene, which I think is really, really fun. It, it's like the scene that grounds us the most in his character. Mm-hmm. Like how this—that's where we take his temperature for the new Tuesday every time. Yeah, and it breaks up because his emotions are so serious throughout it. I think mm-hmm. it provides some levity for that, right? A, a break in the tension. Totally
0: agree. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to say hot sauce because hot sauce was, I mean, the most. It's okay, the most it's okay if that's
1: your favorite one too.
0: try to think what else was really utilized. Cause I really like when they change it up and like small things start to change that yeah. happen consistent, Like the radio, I think the radio is a really good gag. Right. Also just by inserting a song as a narrative piece, you're adding so much narrative. Cause then you have the narrative meaning of the song layered on. So I think it's really smart. Zena yeah. does the same thing.
1: There's also the, I mean, it's also in the diner, but the pig in a poke.
0: (laughs) The pig in a poke, yeah. That one's really funny. Yeah, they're all so good. They did the gags really well. Yeah. Like like the world building of the loop itself was very well done in this episode.
1: Since you brought up the taco earlier, I do, again, have to point out, and I'm sorry, I know this is stupid, but the two times he dies from food, one time is from a sausage and the next time is from a taco.
0: (laughs) Bisexual
1: goals. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's clever.
1: i know i'm being really childish but Ooh, i know someone was there. i know someone was thinking that when they wrote it
0: yeah no that's no that's smart i like that i do want to know how he died from the taco did he choke on it i don't think they ever say
1: they said does this taste funny to you so i assumed it was just like oh, he shot himself to poisoning. death yeah <laughs> Poor wait is this a metaphor for him being gay what he maybe he choked on the sausage, but it was the taco that didn't taste right to him.
0: Oh my god,
1: Allie! <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Jesus I'm just Christ. trying to be, I'm just trying to be immature about like genitals. You're over here, like, but extended metaphors.
0: <laughs> Damn. Well, there you go. By Dean or gay Dean Truther, you both have evidence there.
1: hmm it's all about how you interpret the text
0: yeah like god i'm done i'm not gonna say anything else about it why what it was stupid tell me i don't even remember anymore
1: oh that's a lie you're a liar i don't believe you but fine (laughs) for a second
0: It's really hard for me to dissect this episode because it was blended together so seamlessly in the like the first third.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna ask if y'all wanted to talk about like if anything stands out like mushed together from the first third of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what really stands out and I know it seems like silly to say, but what really stands out to me in this episode is Dean himself. And I guess this sort of bleeds into the middle of the episode too, not just the beginning, but I think there's something very compelling about how, despite the fact that Dean is literally resetting every day, he's still helping with key elements of the case Like, you know, he he figures out and points out what's making Sam wake up and the fact that they probably have to keep him alive to get out of the loop. And he Mm -hmm. reminds him that he can change things. And then, you know, he notices things that Sam doesn't. And I just thought that it really emphasized um, how they work together as a team. Like as partners and that, that, you know, because we're seeing Sam get all this new information every day and try and learn from the day before, but Dean even resetting is still complementing him so perfectly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of fun to always see that a lot of Dean's experience, too, comes from his love of media as well. And we get to also see that exercise in that same stroke, referencing old movies that have this trope in it. Right. Which is kind of meta. So that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I did also want to mention that they did again reference Sam's psychic ability in the beginning of this episode.
1: Yeah. um, Which is now twice in a row. Yeah. I wrote that down too. I didn't realize that um, when I previously watched season three, two episodes in a row, they bring up his psychic powers when they haven't been talked about almost at all for quite a while. It does seem Mm -hmm. significant. Especially since it doesn't feel like we're far into this season, but like we're almost half, we're almost done. We're over halfway. It really makes me wonder what was the original long term plan with that. I'm so curious.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have this fear that. They keep referencing to it and it just is going to get dropped, especially because I do know a spoiler that Castiel is coming in season four. So I imagine we're going to go very like angelic and like high Christianity fantasy. Mm -hmm. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I Mm -hmm. don't know if Sam's whole psychic backstory is going to fit very well into that narrative.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I guess we'll just find out, Jordan. We will find out. Mm -hmm. yes.
1: Where's kind of the turning point from this?
0: So, I would say it's when strawberry discom- syrup. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I would say it's when Sam discovers on his computer about the guy who debunks tourist traps.
1: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. He so brings it up right. with Dean. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, we we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, and it's like I mentioned, like Dean is like, "Oh, just desserts." And then Sam sees the strawberry syrup. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely there. And I love how they use the camera um, when he wakes up that time to emphasize that Sam is like really scheming. <laughs> yeah. It's like so close on his face and he's got his eyes narrowed and he's looking at everything. His interaction with the trickster, I'm, I'm still not sure how I feel about the trickster in this episode. I know he's only in two scenes, but I just have so many questions about his intent here. Like, so he he follows the pancake guy out of the diner and, mm-hmm. you know, he's not like buying the bullshit about the family and whatever. He, he just keeps pushing until, you know, the trickster reveals himself. Um, And he's basically like, oh, this is about revenge. I noticed you as soon as you got into town and, you know, you tried to kill me and I didn't like that. So I'm fucking with you. But he does mention that the whole point is to like teach a lesson. Mm -hmm. But like, which is it, you know, I feel like not that those are totally um, mutually exclusive concepts, but like, given that he feels animosity towards Sam, in particular, Sam, it seems, why then is he so motivated to teach Sam anything?
0: Yeah, uh, and I'll take it kind of a step further, too. And then I also don't get... How like the just desserts fits into that narrative as well. We have a lot of threads going here. Mm-hmm. Like, is Sam supposed to be learning? Is he supposed to be getting his curmudgeons? <laughs> like <laughs> uh, sorry. Kermuppets. Her, her
1: her, his curmuppets.
0: Her <laughs> his curmuppets.
1: Comeuppets.
0: Yeah. comeuppets. Yeah. The whole narrative around the trickster is really confusing i kind of wish they would have just kept the trickster out of the episode even a little bit more even though he's only in two scenes because i feel like they're alluding to something more grand with him Mm -hmm. um and i'm really curious as to what that is i kind of think that he maybe is a bigger player than Mm -hmm. they're letting on and i'm excited about that
1: Mm -hmm. honestly i don't dislike the the questions that this brings up for me i i just they're just there you know yeah it's not an uncomfortable confusion it's just like i want to pick at it i guess i will say though why does richard spate look like a cartoon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have that side profile of him Like right before he snaps Sam to Wednesday And I don't know He just looks like a cartoon character to me Like I, it's like something about like the jut of his chin Versus the rest of his face And then like his very small mouth And I'm just like someone drew you
0: Yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> Like no shade No shade I Like you know I'm just I'm confounded I love it. And I love that this is the episode where he looks kind of like cheesy and cartoonish. It definitely fits in with the whole rest of the vibe for sure. I also don't think I even mind that it doesn't make so much sense because I'm like, I am fine with a trickster being like, I have this petty little thing. So I'm going to go and get vengeance by watching him watch his brother die for however many days. Right. But also I'm going to tell him that it's for him to learn a lesson as if I'm putting this on him and that I'm the one in the right. Well, I mean, he does, he is teaching him a lesson. Mm. I think there are there's lessons that he's trying to teach Sam, and then there's the lesson that we learn as an audience. I agree. I just like the setup that it's like not on him. You know what I mean? I gotcha. I gotcha. Not to keep talking about Dean, but I find him especially cute and charming in this episode. Like doesn't he seem like a little more mild and sweet and even tempered? Yeah. yeah, we got a Sam
0: episode where he's not a complete idiot for once.
1: Yeah. It's it's weird. Like usually in the Sam episodes, he's very like gross and yeah. not funny, just annoying.
0: Yeah, I was like really happy that we had a Sam episode where for once Dean is not trying to get him to like look at porn or get laid. <laughs>
1: but at the same time like he dies in so many ridiculous ways that it still feels like the same energy of sam episodes yeah that's fair
0: definitely a better way of doing it for sure
1: absolutely like i'm fine with them showing us that he's kind of a buffoon like this out there and just don't make him stupid like those are different things right right for sure I think we are. I think it's intentional that he's very endearing this episode. Like, even at the very Mm -hmm. end, when Sam, you know, very, like, sadly is like, I just had a really weird dream. And Dean is like, clowns are midgets. I think we're (laughs) supposed to, you know, I think we're supposed to be like, oh, Dean, like, and that's kind of the vibe the whole episode. What I'm saying is it worked.
0: (laughs) It did. (laughs) No, I got you. I got you.
1: (laughs) I do really love this shift when, when Dean dies in the parking lot on the Wednesday and, yes. and Sam goes full John Winchester.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. What I really love about it is that this episode had a clear vision of what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was to play on the fear that we've been building up that Sam has of having to live without Dean. right and like now we're actually going to get to see what that looks like that was really exciting for this kind of goofy episode
1: right exactly and I didn't feel like I know in previous episodes I've sort of complained when like they shift in the last you know few minutes to a completely different tone but I think just pulling it back even like five minutes more and giving us this extra time to get used to what the narrative is doing is so so helpful I really love it I thought it is excellently executed Mm
0: -hmm. the only thing that I kind of wish is I kind of wish this episode was directly before the one we just watched Mm. because I don't know like there was some hope in last episode of like Dean now being like you know I don't want to die I don't want to go to hell and like that's huge that would have been kind of fun having that after uh, Sam had to experience living without him
1: See, I disagree. I really like it afterwards because it's kind of soul crushing. It's like Mm. right after Dean figures out that he wants to live, he has to die over and over and over again. And right after Sam has just gotten his hope back because he had really given up um, on trying to help Dean out to the point of just like drinking in the in the middle of the day. Um, you know, he's gotten hope back that there's something they can do and that like he can fix it. And then having to have like his heart crushed every single day, like over and over not being able to change that Dean dies. Maybe I'm just an angst whore, but <laughs> I really love that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard because I like both. Um, I do think if the last episode had happened after this one, it would have explained Sam's behavior a little bit more. But I don't know. I guess it yeah, no, it works. Either way, I'm I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, I like the ordering because I like Sam kind of having to realize how serious it is and knowing it's all on him, like this just reiterates the stakes for him after he's kind of given the green light to go ahead and save Dean. Like, I don't think this would have the same impact if we knew that Dean was still okay with dying at the end of the terms. Right. (laughs) Like, I think that's why this ordering makes sense in my head. Right. Yeah, totally. It's all about the maximum emotional impact. Mm Mm-hmm. I really do want to talk about the Sam Six Months Later montage, though. I have to talk about it. It's so ridiculous. First off, I'm pretty sure they used images from season one. It was Mm. so great. I think you're right. Yeah. And then... I'm just so obsessed with the bit where he's like stitching himself up or whatever. And it's supposed to be like, oh, he's so badass, but it's like super fan service-y. I like laughed out loud to the point of not being able to breathe when they like flashed his nipple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> and and I'm really interested in this whole idea uh, on a more serious note that um, he becomes obsessive and self-isolating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the camera focuses on things that we were shown in the first scenes of this episode, like that emphasize the lack of Dean. And the big one that sticks out to me is the toothpaste tube. And there's something very like cold and robotic about his movements and it feels all very structured. Like it, it's just so starkly different from the opening in a way that I, I think is just so satisfying. And and I think yeah. like it would have been really easy for this to feel like they were bonking us over the head with it. But mm-hmm. the speed of it and the way they sort of glance over a lot of things and they don't linger and just spend time on the scene with fake Bobby and the trickster instead really circumvent that very effectively.
0: It's a really good way to develop Sam's character because... We've been setting up that when Dean dies, it's his goal to become Dean. Like it's honestly having the emphasis on Dean's like regimen in the beginning of the episode and how loose it is, and then the juxtaposition of Sam's regimen. Like even meticulously making the bed before he like permanently leaves a place. Like Mm -hmm. he does not become Dean because he isn't Dean, and his, his idea of Dean is more of like a fantasy
1: what he really does is become john and i love the way they show us um specifically there's this shot of the trunk of the impala and the setup of it is exactly like what we saw in season one from john's trunk which is in sharp contrast to the sort of um you know just piles of shit (laughs) like the way dean keeps it so Mm -hmm. the the visual emphasis on certain details was very it was just Mm -hmm. excellent yeah, Yeah, and I think this also raises the stakes because we're told that if Dean dies, we know what Sam thinks he'll be like, but this shows us kind of the obsessiveness and what he would spiral into. Right, exactly.
0: It's kind of fun to be able to see his low, which would be his willingness to sacrifice mm-hmm. a living person, an innocent person for his own means.
1: Right. Well, and I think too, it's sort of you know, this whole season and particularly in the past few, Dean has been concerned about the fact that Sam seems less concerned about preserving human life. And this scene in particular really shows us the finish line of that that issue where he just Mm -hmm. does not care. It's so compelling to me how this is turned completely around from the early episodes of the show where it was sort of, it was always Sam reminding Dean to be a little more empathetic or whatever. And when we get to this point where Dean hasn't been around for, uh, you know, six months, we, we see how much Dean was also keeping Sam empathizing with other people and caring about things. It's very depressing. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk about the scene with Bobby.
0: I did like the reveal of it being the trickster and leaving it ambiguous as to whether Sam really thought that was the trickster or not.
1: Yeah, it was interesting how um he seemed to go back and forth with Bobby yeah. on whether or not it was Bobby, um and whether or not he cared if it was Bobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know the truth of it until after he stabs Bobby and he's just lying there on the floor. And then he's like very grief stricken. But before that, Mm -hmm. it's we're, you know, it's hard to know where his head is at, I think, despite the fact that we've been in his head for most of this episode.
0: Oh, yeah. The trickster laying there dead as Bobby for a couple of minutes is like, that's a move I would do. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) you evil bitch (laughs) did you guys notice when the trickster rematerialized behind sam he was costumed as sam
0: i did not that's very yeah he's wearing
1: yeah he's wearing sam's bad red shirt oh that's so interesting yeah and he he's wearing a sam jacket and he has his hair kind of brushed back the same way You know, in combination with my questions about his motivations from earlier in the episode, like why is he invested in Sam enough to want to teach him any kind of lesson? You know, because the other guy, the other guy, the one that disappeared in the mystery spot, he just threw him in a wormhole. He didn't care. (laughs) Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. But there's definitely some level of emotional investiture in this uh, situation. And I think uh, that's that's emphasized by this costume choice. And then also by the fact that he does send Sam back in time to the Mm -hmm. Wednesday, you know, so it does it does make you wonder, is he going to be back how and why are he, he's so interested in uh in Sam in particular? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm I wish you could see me right now. I've got that excited glint in my eye, and I keep doing the thing where I wave my palm kind of at eye level. Um.
0: That makes me wonder because like the show really likes his comparisons. If they're doing yeah. that the cosplaying, I'm like, is the trickster like? Is he not like a lower cast pagan god? Is he a demon or something mm-hmm. else? Maybe something mm-hmm. celestial or that's mm-hmm. really interesting.
1: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And I had never noticed before that, before this particular watch through that it was the same costume. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was cool. Trickster is just one of the best all-time characters in this show. Yeah, no, I, and I think like Trickster character, like that archetype is just very interesting Mm -hmm. in general. And I love how... Talking about the archetype reminds me of your little segment on it in Tall Tales in season two, Allie, um, Mm -hmm. where you were talking about like the teaching a lesson and how that's a huge part of the trickster archetype in mythology. And I love that there really wasn't that much of a lesson to be learned for the boys in that episode, but there is one here. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it's like they sort of expanded the idea of what a trickster is and does for this episode, which gives him as an enemy or like a, an antagonist a little more breadth and depth. Yeah, do we want to talk about the lesson in this episode? Yes, because there's several, I think. So first off, there's the lesson that he's trying to teach, which I think is pretty obvious that it's like the most clear cut one. Which is that Sam needs to give up on trying to save Dean because it's going to make him go crazy. Like the inevitability of it. Right. Exactly. Like it's going to happen and you can't stop it. So Mm -hmm. stop trying to stop it. So there's that bit. But I think like what we take away from this on the whole is it's the opposite is that it's it's vital for him to try and make sure that Dean stays around because they don't function very well without each other. Like the two of them together as a team is essential for their emotional well-being individually. Mm-hmm. I just love that like both of both of these seemingly like mutually exclusive, like completely antithetical concepts exist at the same time and like are both true.
0: Well, especially because, like, the acceptance of Dean being Sam's weakness, and he is, but he's also his right. strength.
1: Right. Uh Yeah, I think I really like, too, that it's not just, like, one-sided. Like, it's mm-hmm. either they need to be there for each other or they can't. It's that them being there for each other in a certain way is very positive for each other, Mm -hmm. but they have to kind of find that balance of how to support each other and not just Mm -hmm. continue making sacrifices and not being open about what's going on. Like Mm -hmm. That continues to their detriment. Mm -hmm. So they not only have to be together, but they have to do it in a much healthier way than we've seen. Right. And there's something about forcing Sam to have to explain everything very honestly and clearly every single day to Dean in order to try and prevent him dying that I think really hammers that home as well Mm -hmm. yeah I just there's something just so tender to me about that ending. And I think, you know, it would be really easy for this episode with its didactic nature to get really heavy handed. And I don't think it has a light touch at all. I think it's very clear about its messages and intentions, Um, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like condescending. It, It feels like we've been presented with all the facts and opinions and we just get to sit in the um in the the honesty of them and just feel the emotion of it at the end it's i just think it's just a really graceful um end of an episode
0: i really like when they're leaving and sam just looks at the unmade bed yes yeah
1: oh the unmade bed that fucks Mm -hmm. me up that's such a perfect way to end it yeah
0: the acceptance of how important Dean is and that he can't live without Dean mixed with the inevitability that yeah. he sees that bad it's still gonna happen it's just right ugh.
1: right yeah I'm thinking like it's not just about um like the emphasis visually on Sam's made bed when he's without Dean versus like the unmade bed here I'm also thinking about like the the idiomatic expression the making your bed and laying in it kind of Mm. thing with regards to the demon deal and how yeah like you said the inevitability of that there's just something I don't know it's just so good it's just really
0: good (laughs) for me it's the when Sam would leave he would always make his bed before he would leave the room he right. Doesn't do that. So leaving the room with an unmade bed.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. Any more thoughts before we move to the fanfic? I don't have anything else. Right. Me neither. What fanfic do we have for this episode? You know, we do not have a fanfic for this episode. And what? I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because I wanted to recommend a visual novel instead.
0: Nice. I thought you were
1: going to be like, we don't have one. Fuck you. (laughs) Why do you always think I'm going to do that? (laughs) No, it's because I want to recommend a visual novel instead. And it really has nothing to do with Supernatural. And it has much more to do with Groundhog Day and the Mm -hmm. idea of trying to avoid death. And the name of the game is called Long Live the Queen. And you play as the princess who's going to be crowned queen and you have to survive until you are coronated and everything can fucking kill you it's all about choice how you spend your time who you talk to what you learn to do Mm -hmm. and you know how well you remember what actions lead to which consequences (laughs) so if you like if you would like to put yourself directly into sam's shoes in this episode and say let's try to not die or prevent someone from dying for hundreds of days we never talked about that how many days do we think that was because i think with the six months it was probably around two years
0: yeah i would say probably because he stopped keeping track at 200 right
1: 100 Mm -hmm. or maybe 200 i don't know
0: yeah so i would guess i would guess it was probably like a year and a half
1: yeah Yeah. same in any event if you would like to experience that emotional state highly recommend this game so infuriating incredibly fun much lower emotional stakes because no (laughs) one is dying in your real life that you care about
0: I love that we are a mixed media podcast. We recommend yes. it all, baby.
1: Yes, bitch. <laughs> Our game.
0: Well, I guess that leaves rating the episode.
1: Let's rate this fucking episode.
0: Okay, I'm gonna give it a four point nine. Pugs in a blanket. Oh. Pugs? Why pugs? Oh, what do in they a do? I was looking at I was looking at pictures of pugs earlier and I think I had a Freudian slip oh my gosh (laughs) okay (laughs) I'm only taking off the point one because I was a little confused about the tricksters intentions and I think it kind of muddled Mm -hmm. the narrative a little bit but Mm -hmm. that might be good foreshadowing I don't know so what about you Allie
1: I adore this episode. Trickster is just perfect. I love him. So I'm going to give this episode five out of five choking on sausages. Wow. What about you, Jasper? Yeah, I'm also going to give this a five out of five. Again, I just think there's so much depth to this episode, which, you know, is supposed to be silly. It tricks you. It tricks you but this boy's traumatized he just had to watch his brother die like 400 fucking times <laughs> like what the True. fuck <laughs> yeah. oh, that's horrible like uh oh, there's just so much i i have so many feelings mm-hmm. i'm bad at talking about them as we've <laughs> discussed Yeah, uh, five out of five wormholes because I feel like my poor little heart has been tossed into a wormhole and rendered somewhat unable to express myself by how much I care about these characters. (laughs) Good go cry now.
0: Well, I guess it just leaves my predictions.
1: Yeah. Tell me all about it, Jordan.
0: I don't even know where to fucking go from here. We had this like really devastating <laughs> end of an episode. <laughs> it's really funny too because it was on an episode with such like an emotional high on it. I'm like.
1: Yeah. Fucking roller coaster. That's what I'm saying.
0: Fuck. What am I doing? What are we going? Where are we going from here? I think it would be kind of cool for Bella and Ruby to interact in some kind of way.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: M- maybe um, you know what? Actually what if Bella is trying to get out of her deal. And she made a special deal to get out of her deal if she could kill Ruby. And that's why she stole the Colt.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: That would be neat. But mm-hmm. that's probably more of a hope. I don't I don't know if the show will pull that off, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. it would be fun. <laughs> we just got, we got to get back to, to the meat. We only got, what, five episodes left this season? Yep. The shit's going to start happening. And I know this this finale is going to be a two-parter because they always are
1: well remember though that um this season got cut really short
0: oh that's true this is all i got that's all i got
1: yeah it gets it gets hard sometimes when they like they don't really give you anything what was the other one that was kind of like this recently it was like important character stuff but not a lot of plot
0: the last episode was kind of like that
1: (laughs) yeah that's true oh um the christmas one the christmas special (laughs) similar kind of vibes a serious emotional episode masquerading as a goofy silly happy time
0: (laughs) it's never happy it's never happy no
1: it's it's not it's never happy (laughs) don't fall for it (laughs) (laughs) thanks for tuning in to on the road with supernatural our theme music was composed by Anthony Ploihar and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural@gmail.com at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Monument, Colorado. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.